What's going on, guys? Welcome to week two of the playbook with Joey and Zach. Hope it's been a good week for you all. You're listening, you're listening to WZBC AM Sports Radio, and we're excited to bring you another week of Boston sports over the next hour. To start, we're going to be recapping BC football's tough loss this weekend to Syracuse, and we're also going to preview the Friday night red bandana game against Virginia Tech. Uh, later on, we are psyched to be having MassLive.com Red Sox beat writer Chris Cotillo on the show as our very first guest. Uh, he'll be on in the next 20 minutes or so to discuss the Sox offseason and future, um, along with some University of North Carolina football and basketball. Uh, after that, we'll be breaking down the Celtics' tough start to the season and try to figure out what is going wrong with them. So we're looking forward to that for sure. If we have time mm-hmm. for Collins, uh, you can text me at 617-596-3150. 617-596-3150. So if we have time at the end, hopefully we could maybe have one or two call-ins, uh, Absolutely. depending on the time. So we'll see see how it goes for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can hop right into it. Uh, get going with BC football. Um, tough loss last week at Syracuse, 21-6. It was a close game in the first half and all kind of slipped away in the third quarter. Uh, what do you think, Joey? Yeah, it was a hard one. I mean, I, it's like I went into it not having the highest expectations. I knew Syracuse had a good offense, obviously, but... Uh, with Syracuse's offense, I, we knew the run game was going to be an issue, and, and, and Sean Tucker had a great game. But I think the biggest thing was they only had 65 passing yards, and they beat you 21-6. to six. It's just like, did you not game plan for the for the run game? We knew they had a great run, uh, a running attack. So I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. confused as to how that went. But, I mean, we got some we got some pressure. I think we had a sack or two, a couple sacks. So I guess that's something we can build off of, because that was something I was talking about last week was the defensive line having sacks. So I don't know, though. I mean, I... I, it makes me worry, though. You lose to a game. You you lose a game when the opposing starting quarterback only has sixty five passing yards. That can't happen. You can't lose a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, passing defense looked good all night. Um, yeah, it was really just those two plays: the uh, Sean Tucker fifty one yard run and then the Garrett Schrader run too. Those kind of killed us. Um, we really hung on the game, but just no consistency on offense whatsoever. A little bit of controversy, I thought, with that whole two QB situation too. And yeah, heard some of Halfley's comments this week about how he hates using two QBs, but then he said he might still roll with it. Um, a little mm-hmm. confusing for sure. But I think at this point, I'd rather just stick with Moorhead. Just, I mean, we've lost three full games now in a row with Grossell starting, and you know, half a game of Grossell starting now too at Syracuse. Um, so I mean, if it were me, a head coach, I'd just you know put in the freshman, let him work, because he had a couple of good flashes during that game too. That 45 yard passed on Isaiah Flowers. That was nice. Definitely. Yeah, he had a solid game. I think he finished, uh, it says, 6 of 15 for 87 passing yards, which, I mean, for what it was worth, I mean, we couldn't really move the ball too much, and he came in and he was also getting hit every single play. Yeah, he couldn't move the ball. No pass protection. I guess 87 passing yards is pretty impressive in the short amount of time he was out there. So uh, it it was a tough game, though. Yeah, there was no pass protection. Uh, We also gave up a punt return. I mean, I know that's not offense, but. Giving up a punt return touchdown, I mean, that's the worst thing you could do is beat Yeah, they got like all three of the touchdowns in like five minutes probably. We got beat in every phase of the game, which can't is the problem. You can't have it. It was just those five minutes changed the whole game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they scored 21 points in the third quarter, and uh-huh. um, yeah, you look so at the box score, we were 3 nothing at half. So, I mean, at halftime, I thought we were looking all right. And to be only up 3 nothing, I mean, hey, you'll take that any day of the week, especially if you're not moving the ball. Being mm-hmm. up 3 nothing's a win. And then, you know, third quarter, that was the killer. I mean, 21 points they scored then, three touchdowns, and – as you said, in that five-minute run when they had the quarterback scramble for a touchdown and then they had the Sean Tucker 50-plus yard run and then the punt return touchdown. That was all within five minutes. Uh-huh. And, I mean, the game felt over right after that. Just kind of demoralized the whole team. Yeah, demoralized me just watching the game. It was just, you know, it really felt like it was over. We get two more drives, just nothing happening. Grossell three and out. Uh, Grossell actually didn't have any picks in the game, um, but still it was just, it felt like three and out after three and out on offense. Got a little bit going with the Pat Garrow run game. Um, 
but the mm-hmm. passing game just wasn't really there. Overall, we threw 15 for 32 in terms of completions. That's not that's not a winning stat. Um, yeah. But I think a lot of that does come with consistency at QB, too, just having one guy in for the whole game, just kind of letting him play. Um, yeah. And that's why I'm a big fan of Moorhead, just getting out there um, and just let him get comfortable. Because that was his first game, too. I um, was reading the other day since his senior year of high school, his football season got canceled because of COVID. He hasn't started a game of football since you know, his junior year of high school, and now he's coming in here playing ACC football. So I think at this point, if you're going to let him play, just fully commit to him and let him go out there and you know get comfortable and do his thing. Yeah, that's the thing. At the end of the day, I mean, at least we're getting the ball to Zay. Zay had a pretty good game, six catches for 116 yards. So mm-hmm. uh, I know Moorhead hit him on like a 50-yard pass, and so did also Grossell on, on another one through about 45. I think they're both about 45, 50 yards, both of them. So, I mean, that's the thing. You never know, you know, how a team's going to play, especially when you have two quarterbacks coming. It's really hard to predict what this next week's going to look like against Virginia Tech because you, you can't mm-hmm. predict, you know, how one quarterback's going to play versus the other. I think going with one quarterback's the best way to play the game, especially from a wide receiver standpoint. I think they'd probably like the consistency, maybe the, even the offensive line too. Um, mm-hmm. And I think even both quarterbacks would probably rather just have one guy go and just fight for the battle, whoever plays better in this game and see where we go from there. I mean, that's the thing. I don't think mm-hmm. having, you know, a, a switch at quarterback really helps. Um, I'd rather just stick with one guy. Even if it's Grossell, I still think – I know I'm in the minority. I think the defense is, is a, still an issue. but uh, I, think, I think the run defense has been an issue. I think the passing defense has been great. Uh, yeah, against NC State, though, that touchdown, Elijah Jones got to make a play on that one. But, I mean, that's only one play. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, you know, you got to obviously have a good quarterback if you want to win games, especially in the ACC. But from the way it's looked, though, on defense, I mean, they were a lot better. You know, we've, we've had spurts in, in the past where, you know, you think – oh, the defense is starting to catch up. They're starting to get better again. Like, I mean, against Louisville, we had a couple good stops. But then, you know, Malik Cunningham would run for 30 yards. It's like, you know, you got to get mm-hmm. consistent. Yeah, consistent you got to stop the big run defense. plays. They always get a lot of them against us. The Sean Tucker, 51-yarder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zonovan Knight from NC State. He had a lot against us. Malik Cunningham. Malik Louisville. Cunningham, uh, yeah. Russian defense needs some work. Same with getting to the quarterback as well. We, uh, I think we had two sacks in the last game, but the games before we – you know, we we're putting up nothing. We were last in the ACC. Now, I believe we're second last in the ACC in terms of getting to the quarterback. Um, I mean, you can't give a guy all day to throw. We're never going to win that way. Um, and passing defense held up well, uh, for sure. But yeah, that's something that's got to improve if we want to start to hang in some of these games, especially against a team like Virginia Tech. Um, and we have you know Wake Forest coming up in a few weeks too at home. That's a guy like Sam Hartman. That's in the running for the Heisman right now. You got to be able to get yeah. to him. He's been having a great season. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing. I think the defensive pressure is another thing I always talked about. I think I think we're at about 11 sacks now, 12 sacks. I think we only had like nine last week. I think we got two or three this week. How many yeah, we get? Two, two or three, I think? Two. Two sacks. I mean, hey, at least we got you know more than what we had in the prior week. So I'll take two sacks you know, all day. Hopefully we make it more this week, have three or four. I mean, sacks change a game, puts them out of position, maybe a longer punt, maybe you block the punt. I mean – Anything can happen on special teams, so pushing the back is never a bad thing. But you can't push them back, get a sack, and then give up a 51-yard rushing touchdown the next play. Like, that's just – you're not going to win too many games like that, especially when you're playing ACC schools. Uh, against Colgate, UMass, I mean, yeah, you can mess around and, and get a sack and then give up a 20-yard play because, you know, you're up by 20. Or, you know, against Colgate, you're up mm-hmm. by 50. You also have to force some turnovers, too, on defense. Uh, yes, yeah. You know, we gave away a lot of – the balls on offense. We had the Levy fumble, Jalen Gill fumble, Moorhead fumbled once. Um, Moorhead won that, I think, came strictly from poor offensive line play. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we keep losing the turnover battles in all these close games, and I think that kills us. Um, definitely. We definitely need to start picking up more. 
you know, whether it's interceptions, getting fumbles, getting to the quarterback is huge. Absolutely. Um, just kind of developing some consistency because it feels like we're hanging every game for the first, second quarter, and then all of a sudden it just falls apart. I mean, NC State, the end of the first quarter, it was close. Even at halftime, it was... Yeah, we were still in it. Yeah, it was a game. Louisville, too, uh, still a game at half. Yeah, um, all these games are still games at half. Syracuse is 3 nothing. Us. Yeah, and then, you know, all of a sudden, second half, the other team just blows it open on us, so... Yeah. I don't know what that I, says yeah. about the team, whether it's coaching or execution, but obviously some changes need to happen if we want to win. Big, uh, big red bandana game this week. I think it's a little bit of both. I would say it's a little bit of the offense, you know, in, in execution, as you said there. I think it's defensive execution. I'd say it's coaching. I think it's a mix of everything. You're not going to lose games in the second half just because of one thing. Um, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's it's a team game. you got to play four quarters, and the playing two quarters is never going to get you anywhere. You're not going to win too many games, you know, playing two quarters. So hopefully, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we fix it, get things figured out, and, and, and go from there. But we're, we're trying, obviously, to – fix things on the fly, a quarterback, and, you know, bring guys in, and you know, midseason, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. whether it's Moorhead or Grosso, whoever starts this week, I mean, can't keep switching quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Especially not against a team like Virginia Tech. They have one of the better secondaries in the ACC. Um, you know, they've had a couple solid wins this year. Um, obviously not a deal season for them. Um, Braxton Burmeister, the QB, though, he's a great thrower, um, good in his feet, too. They have a couple receivers that can go to the NFL. So I think, you know, defense is going to, be huge again and you know i do think we'll be able to hold them to 17 21 you know 24 points again like we've been able to stop all these other teams too um but it's just going to come from consistent offensive play um yeah the keys to the game because you know we had six points last week and then what was it 14 at louisville and 14 at louisville, 10 at 14. nc state 28 yeah, yeah so we gotta start putting up more points because you can't win games putting up you know 10 points a game in the acc yeah. Um, so I think that's everything. Because our defense, I mean, I'll disagree with you. I think it's been all right. Um, definitely not for us to hang in games. It's just the inconsistency on offense. Um, I think that all starts with, you know, picking one guy at QB and sticking with it. Um, and I hope it's more just because of the way he kind of threw the ball in that first game. Even though he was out for an injury with the while, you know, that was his first game in a while. Um, coming off his first game in college ever. I had a couple of nice deep throws, too. He had that one, I think it was his first throw of the game, a deep ball to Zay that just went over his fingertips. Um, that would have been a 40-yard. And then the next play, they did a similar route just on the other side of the field. Um, Zay Flowers just went on a streak up for like 45 yards, and he threw a deep uh, seed in there. So, um, you know, yeah. a lot of flashes of potential from him. Um, you know, made short throws over the middle, too. So and he was good in his feet, too. He had a couple of rushes where he'd go up for the first down and be third and five, and he just ran out and took a couple of hits. So he's tough, too. So I'm a fan of him, and I think um, as much as I love Grossell, I think he gives a better chance to win this week. Yeah, with Virginia Tech, they're coming off a good win. Uh, they just beat Georgia Tech 26-17. Um, they, as you said, they got weapons. Uh, Malachi Thomas, their running back, was 25 carries of 103 yards. So uh, they can run the ball also, which has been BC's you know worst nightmare with Sean Tucker on Syracuse, Malik Cunningham. Um, and the running backs they got at Louisville, it's been the biggest nightmare has been, you know, the rushing attack on all these ACC teams. So that'll be yeah, a big question, obviously. And uh, Braxton Burmeister coming off another good game, 15-25 uh, to 25 passing uh, for 254 passing yards and two touchdowns. Um, he also can run, too. He can scramble. So he was 11 carries for 46 yards. So that's another BC has to worry about as a quarterback that can move. He's not as shifty mm-hmm. as Malik Cunningham, so I'm going to worry about that. And I think even Schrader on Syracuse might be a little bit, 
you know, quicker. But either way, I mean, having Still, 11 carries at 46 yeah. yards, that's something to worry about. Mobile quarterbacks have been an issue for us this year and last year. Definitely. And then they got a, a junior wideout. Um, Trey Turner has had a really good season. He's coming off of um, an ACC Wide Receiver of the Week award. Um, he won that this last week against that game against uh, Georgia Tech. He's 6'2". He can go up and get it. And he had seven ca- uh, seven catches for 187 yards and a touchdown. So that's nothing BC's got to worry about. And, I mean, it's a very even matchup. You look at the statistics, points per game. I mean, BC averages 25.6 points per game. And they average 24. So they average giving up 22.4 a game on defense. And we give 20.8. So it's very similar um, statistically. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, if we don't show up to play, this game could get ugly just against like State. Any game can get ugly. You know, you got to come out and be – Good in all three phases of the ball. And I know last week, honestly, in every week now, the past three or four games, we haven't been winning in any of the phases mm-hmm. of the game. There's so. been a loss of energy in the second half, it seems like, for the team. Um, I mean, I think a home game will definitely help, having the fans back. Um, you know, alumni has been, been, yeah, it'll be more crowded than usual. And, you know, the fans have been, um, yeah, pretty good this season anyway. Um, although Halfley, he's, you know, still begging the students to come up before a kickoff. He said this week, game, he really wants the students to be there before a kickoff again. Um, but I don't know. He might have some tough time Friday night red bandana game, and then you know coming off the NC State game the week before. Um, yeah, you know, the last game at home at least. Louisville that was tough. Before, you know, yeah. stands emptied out in the third quarter. So yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I would say I want to win games. I'd rather him not even say let's get out there and everyone get there early. I'd rather us just win a game than him come out saying. Mm-hmm. I know you got to fire everyone yeah. up. Obviously, I need mean, you got to fire everyone up. If you're winning games, winning games, you're you're have to first. say that. Yeah. If you're winning games, you don't have to tell people to come to the game early. That's the uh-huh. thing. They I mean, yeah, that the Alabama student section was packed for Colgate. You couldn't. Yeah. You know, there are people in the stairway and like people in the concourse still trying to get in. So that it game was nuts. It was just against Colgate too. You know, fifty-one zip blowout. So yeah, I'll stand by. I wish we played better competition at the beginning of the season because I think that's a big part of the issue. I did right too. Yeah, starting your season against you know three teams that we played are is not a good way at all. You know, you kind of get into the groove of you know playing. Subpar teams that you know, Tempo, UMass, Temple, UMass, uh, Missouri. Colgate. I mean, they were they were an even matchup. Missouri was still. solid, but yeah, their defense is atrocious. Missouri, yeah, so. even matchup. I mean, they got a tough game. Mm-hmm. They're playing Georgia, so good luck. Now we go right into playing a team like Clemson, who I mean, their quarterback, you know, he's kind of stinks, but yeah, he was. You know, DJ they're, they're still Uwe Clemson. Yeah. They still got you know one of the better defenses in the country, better running games, one of the best O lines. Yeah, so. I mean, if they just feel the quarterback position. I think. You know, obviously now they'll still be in the ACC. conversation. Yeah, they still have a chance. Uh, do they have a chance at the ACC championship? Probably not anymore. They still have a little bit of a chance. Smart, it's not, small, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the national championship, no chance. And I think if they had a quarterback yeah, at the beginning of the season, they definitely CFP. could. I mean, they have talent around every side of the ball, and with all those mm-hmm. five star, yeah, recruits, they got four star guys, five star guys. Yeah, you can't lose your games. Up, so. Your quarterback can't hold you back, and I'm happy they started making some shifts. I mean, now he's back in a quarterback, so they only took him. Yeah, off I don't know what's going on over there. They brought in their backup, who's also a four star or a five star for a week, and then. They didn't yeah. even do that well in that game, and they brought back DJ. It was just weird. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the day they're just trying something different. When you're losing games, that's what you try to do. I think that's what we did with you know Moorhead and Grossell, where if you're losing games, you try to just switch things up. Sometimes the quarterback. Sometimes it's more than that, though, and and it could be your whole entire defense. It could be play calling. Look at the Giants. I mean, play calling's been a big issue. The offensive line's been a big issue. People talk about Daniel Jones. He's not the issue. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's a lot more than just one thing. That's that's the problem. And. Like the Giants, as I said, offensive line and play calling are big issues. With you know BC football, it's been obviously the defensive line getting pressure in, in, in the run defense. That's been a big issue. And then a quarterback having a, a big question mark of who's starting this week. You know, I don't like having a I question mean, mark at quarterback. I'd rather just have a solid do, uh, I mean, you're not wrong with there being multiple issues with that team. But I think, you know, A1 is we could really be – I mean, the NC State game is probably a wash either way. But with consistent quarterback play, we 
could have beaten Louisville because that game kind of went out of our grasp in the fourth quarter. We only lost by two touchdowns. Yeah, but I mean, you consider I think, that at the end of the game too. We drove all the way down to the red zone and couldn't convert. I felt um, like more than two touchdowns though. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we brought it back to a one-score game in the fourth yeah, quarter, and then we had the ball too. Um, so we really had a chance to tie it. And then, you know, a Syracuse game last week that went out of our hands fast. We, you know, I think if we had consistent QB play, we could have, you know, we could have easily put up twenty-one points. Um, it's tough. Yeah. What was the other game we lost? Clemson. You know, we were one bad play away from winning 19, that game. 19, yeah. Um, so that's really the key to this team, I think. I don't think you know we can deal with a bad Russian defense just because we always have. We've always struggled with containing mobile quarterbacks and you know explosive running backs. Um, but you know, solid quarterback play is something we haven't seen here in a while. So my boy Anthony Brown, he was going. solid when he was healthy. Um, he I was know solid, yeah. Same healthy was too. Tough. Solid when he's healthy, also. So mm-hmm. yeah, great QBs. Um, both it's tough them. when they both get injured. And Grossell stepped up both times and had to play. You know, as a backup and had to step in to big situations because of that. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, hey, I mean, I still maintain that Grossell is one of the best backups in college football. So. I think he's a great leader, a great locker room guy. You know, still glad Absolutely. BC football has him. Yeah, and I was always a big Anthony Brown guy. So when he went down, I mean, at least you know, Grossell came in with some energy. And Anthony Brown's been playing great for Oregon, actually. I think, I think they're fourth or fifth ranked right now. I think they have a chance at the uh, yeah the uh, national championship. Uh, CFP right now. So looks like they could be doing some damage out there. Um, Ohio State too, another one of those underdog teams that I think can get a three or four seed. Um, and that's my four. If I had to predict today, I'm going. Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and Oregon as my four. Yeah, um, they've all been great all season. Actually, our boy Anthony Brown today just named to the, uh, I think it was the Golden Arm Award watch list with some of the other elite QBs. I think seven other guys in all of college football. Yeah. Um. So that was cool to see, you know, up there with guys like Sam Hartman and uh, uh Kenny Pickett. So. Kenny Pickett, yeah, absolutely. Um, Bryce Young's having a great year, also. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot so of other quarterbacks to on that list. Um, so put his name around. We'll see how it goes. I'm hope I'm rooting for Anthony Brown. I'm a big fan of him. Uh, and mm. I'm sorry for the inconvenience of hearing the trying to connect to your phone and everything with the Bluetooth speaker here. I've been we got a, we got Chris Catillo calling in a minute, so we've been working on some technical difficulties over the past week. So hopefully we can get this mm-hmm. uh, Very speaker to connected. And absolutely, connected, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Happy um, everyone gets to hear it. But yeah, BC football though. I think if I'm going keys to the game for this weekend, I'm going. Consistent passing game, and that's it. I don't think there's anything else we need to win that game if everything else stays the way that we've played the last few weeks. I really think that'll yeah. give us you know, a chance to win. Because Virginia Tech, they've had an all right year, but they've been struggling. Um, yeah. So it's definitely not out of the question that we can win this. I know I said that every week, too, that, oh, I think we're going to win, but we're really that close every week, it feels like. so. Yeah, absolutely. What's your, what's your prediction? Score. Score. I'm going to go... I feel like it's going to be a weird score. Uh, I'm going to go... Actually, we're not... I'm thinking, because I was going to go like 31-27, but we're not putting out 31 points. i got to be realistic. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I mean, they could. Who knows? You never know. you got to gotta play well with defense. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go 27-23 BC. Okay, yeah. That's not bad. Um, I, mean, I got to bet for you my can't, team. Yeah, you can't, you can't, my I team. can't pick yeah, Virginia can't. Tech. You can't pick Virginia Tech, because obviously we are... You know, BC if I was putting money, it might be a different story. But. Yeah, if I was putting money, I'd probably yeah, <laughs> just for this, something you know, different. BC but, all day. Um, yeah, I think it would be a good game. I think I'd probably somewhere around there, too. I would say probably like 26, 23, 26, 24, something like that. A couple okay. field goals in there and stuff, and probably a missed extra point on BC football. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, our new kicker is uh, new kicker's been good. And he has uh, passed, though. Extra point has been, been a big, yeah. big issue. So that's why I always, uh, always when I do predictions, I always factor in maybe a missed extra point because uh-huh. I know when Mike Hurley went to BC, I mean, they 
we had like 30% of the extra points they had. So Even our freshman year, too, whoever was kicking that. Yeah, was always yeah. Tough, we were yeah. always struggling. Punting, too, has been an issue. I mean, hey, he's got to get better. Yeah. Grant Carlson. Grant Carlson. I mean, he's been good. Just week. a couple of mistakes that uh, last week, the drop snap. Yeah, he had a tough punt last week, too. Um, you know, I will say I expected better, but, you know, I, we've seen him play well before, so I know he knows what to do, and I'm sure he'll bounce back. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you got to play in all three phases of the game. Got to play well in all three, and um, that's something we've been struggling with. You know, you can't just have a good game defensively or offensively. And special teams, you know, they don't have as many plays obviously as an offense does in a given week or a defense. But everything adds up every play. Mm-hmm. And if you have a bad punt, hey, that can make a big change in the game. You drop a punt like you did against NC State. I mean, hey, that, that changed the whole game. Yeah, yeah. changed the whole flow, the whole momentum, whole everything. You know, it was really after that play that. Our whole defense and, and offense, too, just looked demoralized. You know, fans started leaving. Um, it was kind of a letdown that very moment. It really changed the whole thing. Just the whole energy in the stadium, you could feel it um, just kind of dropped, you know. There were a lot of people who just left at that moment. Yeah, it was also um, raining. Like the game was over. Yeah, the rain added to rain it. It didn't help. Um, um, hopefully but all that hype coming into that matchup, you know, we're playing the number 22 team in the country. It's a Saturday night. Um, people having a good time at tailgates. You know, you come into the stadium ready for a great game. And it is a great game through halftime, and then all of a sudden you get to the second half, and they pull off three explosive touchdowns, and it's just you know you're sitting there in the stands saying what happened. Yeah, so. you can't let that happen. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to obviously, you know, as I said, every single play matters, and giving up a special teams touchdown that changes the game more than I think even our, our rushing touchdown because there's only so minimal plays on special teams every week, and if you give a touchdown on it, you can't let that happen. So. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we'll see how BC does, though. Obviously, we can't root against them, so with our predictions, we're obviously going to say BC is going to win. Um, but mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but I, also, I will say I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here next week saying the same thing, that this is our week. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That, that, that's the thing. When you're a fan, I mean, the Giants are winning every Just game how it goes, in my eyes. Yeah. The Giants mm-hmm. are never going to lose a game in my eyes. I'll never say predicting against the Giants. As long as we're so. close. People forget, too, this is with their backup QB. Um, you know, this is Jeff Halfley playing with Steve Adazio's guys, too, so... Um, yeah, you know you got to give him some credit for that, and he's recruiting at an all-time level. I think we're about to have a top twenty-five class this year, which would be the first time program history. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, you know, that's exciting. I think you know our football team is going nowhere but up. Absolutely, um, I'm with you there, and hopefully we'll see how things work out. But I know we're excited. Uh, Friday night game, no matter if you're four, four and four, but even if you're zero and eight, a Friday night game is a Friday night game, especially a Red Bandana game. Something that's so special to uh-huh. BC. Still I know we're psyched about that. I know we're psyched about that. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it's a nice night out. Hopefully we get a win. And there's nothing better than starting the weekend with a win, especially on a Friday night uh, in November, too. Um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot cold. of energy around campus. Uh, It'll be cold, too. Stadium. So mm-hmm. everyone's got to dress warm for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't had a cold game like this, I don't think. Uh, you know, our freshman year, the latest game we had was the Florida State game. And that was uh, yeah. early November, November 9th, I want to sure. say. And it was noon, so it wasn't that bad. Here we go. Um, but here we go. We got a. Uh, here we go. Make sure it connects here to the speaker. All right, here we go. We have Chris Cotillo coming on with us. As I said before, he's a MassLive.com uh, beat writer for the Red Sox. Um, we're very excited to have him on and talk some Red Sox, UNC. Um, and also, he can come on and talk maybe to the pages if he wants to, too. We'll see. So Anything. Uh, give a quick breakdown. Um, give a quick intro. Um, Chris actually does a workshop online for young aspiring journalists. Uh, I actually took the workshop. Um, and you get to learn about... The writing part of journalism. Uh, so he actually has his own uh, podcast as well through MassLive.com. Uh, you get to hear about that. Uh, he gives you a lot of stuff about uh, breaking news since he actually started out. He's very well known actually uh, 
in the MLB uh, industry. Uh, he broke a couple signings, actually, when he was in high school. Uh, he beat Ken Rosenthal and John Heyman and Jeff Passan, all the guys at ESPN and Fox Sports and MLB Network. He beat them to uh, the Doug Fister signing with the Nationals. So he uh, was only in high school when he started in the industry, and ever since then, uh, he's been playing a big role in journalism. He went to UNC for journalism as well. So it's nice to have him come on. Uh, here he is, Chris. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Oh, uh, you're not washed up at all. You're just starting. You're not even in your prime yet. Come on, you're not even in your prime, Chris. That's a good, that's a good way of looking at it. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, as I said, he does a workshop. So, if anyone's a young aspi aspiring journalist that's listening, um, they can reach out to him. Uh, his email is by Chris Cotillo, C O T I L L O at gmail.com. or check out his Twitter too. I mean, he recaps every Red Sox game and every big play um, since he's a beat writer. So, definitely reach out to him there. It's a Great way to start and break into the industry. That's where I started. Um, he gave me a ton of knowledge, uh, and I enjoyed every single class. It's on Zoom as well. So if people want to join, um, it's definitely a great way uh, to find a, a, a whole into you know whole industry and, and, and learn how sports journalism and everything works. So uh, thank you for coming on, Chris. We're psyched to have you. Yeah, uh, So we can start. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, maybe your background, where you started with, uh, obviously breaking news and, and you were covering the whole MLB uh, before you even started just beat writing for the Red Sox. So maybe just a quick intro. Yeah, basically, you know, I, I was a high schooler in Central Mass in, in Northboro and um, you know, I grew up always liking baseball and always kind of wanted to get into it in some way, shape or form. And, you know, after uh, my playing career ended uh, at about 12 years old because <laughs> I, was, uh, I had to try to find, you know, different ways to do it. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah, the Red Sox could have used you off the bench. We were bringing in Travis Shaw and and, uh, and who else do we have? Danny Santana. Danny Santana yeah, that's the other one I was thinking of. Danny Santana's pitcher. They could have had you. Mm -hmm. Get you the I mean, bat. The way Danny Santana played all season, I, I really, you know, I'm sure he was an upgrade over me, but it did not seem like it was that <laughs> No, it did not. That's what I'm saying. They could have used you in there. Get your bat out, get the glove out. I mean, you said exactly. you stopped baseball when you were 12, but hey, the Red Sox didn't look like they could hit at all in that. Than the last three games of the series. I mean, I think it was the last mm -hmm. 26 innings. Yeah, it was ever it since was, game five. Everything it was something kind of nuts. Apart. I had a statistic last it. week. We got outscored 25 to 1. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it was game four, actually. Innings. We were up, what was it, 6 1, 6 2, or something. And then. Yeah, we blew everything. We gave like seven runs in like the ninth or whatever. Yeah, Chris. So we mm -hmm. definitely could have used you. Maybe you can even come out of the pen next year. Who knows? See if, yeah. see if Cora has a contract for you. That's right. So, I mean, I have a fastball matches out of 55, and that's fine any pitch matters right one pitch you're making you're far out of your prime you're not even in your prime yet so you're not washed up for sure i know that but uh we'll get into some talk about the red sox so um with the red sox hitting coach uh, chris high is declining to uh, return to the Sox. do you think that will play an impact on some of the guys that have breakout seasons and uh bounce back seasons or breakout seasons like 
Uh, Hunter Renfro and Kika Hernandez have career years, and J.D. Martinez had a big bounce-back season after the 2020 uh, tough season. So do you think that's going to have an impact on some of the Red Sox hitters? I don't know. You know, I think there's going to be continuity there because Pete Fatsy is going to be the one replacing Tim yeah. there. So it's going to be, you know, a guy who's been there the last two years and knows all these guys and, you know, knows all the guys that you mentioned. So, um, you know, I think that that, that obviously helps. It might add another person on the staff. I know the Red Sox were super surprised by Hire's decision to leave. Not sure exactly what he's going to do or where he's going to go. He's been, you know, an instrumental part of their success offensively in the last four years. So definitely, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it it's just the uh, the hitting coaches and pitching coaches, those types of guys, they help within the margins. But at the end of the day, the guys get to go out there and make the adjustments and you know find stuff in their own swings and look at video. So um, you know, good hitting coach is going to help. A bad hitting coach might detract a little bit, but um, I'm not sure that it's a it's a major, major, major deal, um, especially with. His assistant basically, you know, taking over. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sure, coming yeah. in. Yeah, so that definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Chris, so speaking of uh, star hitters, if you had to choose between the Red Sox signing Schwarber and JD, uh, who would you choose, and how come? Yeah, I, I'm a fan of JD Martinez. Uh, I, I think he, you know, the deal that they gave him was a phenomenal, phenomenal contract for the Red Sox. To, you know, um, it, it paid off. He's an All Star and. Know, three of the four, it's all three years, uh, all three of the full seasons. Uh, the 2020 season, 60 games, he never got going and had a bad year. There wasn't an all star team, so obviously he wouldn't have made it, but um, there wasn't one, so he could not make it. Um, so I just think if you look back at that deal, it's been super, super successful for the Red Sox. They've gotten everything they could have possibly asked out of him, not just, you know, as his. Um, as himself, but also as just a teammate, and the impact he has with you know the other hitters. That being said, Absolutely. he's going thir- to be 35 in August. Mm-hmm. And if you really look at the year he had, it's you know it looks like a great bounce back year, as you mentioned. It looks like a guy who you know found something and had it the entirety of the year. So on May May first, I pulled this up so I have numbers to back up my. There you go. On May 1st, I love it. May first, he's hitting 361 um, with. Uh, Eleven eighty nine OPS, so like just a ridiculous, ridiculous first twenty six games. Nine home runs, yeah. twenty six RBI. He was mashing, and then yeah, and then you go from May second till the end of the season, and he was pretty much average. And yeah, he was a guy that um, from like I said, May second to October third. Here it is: hit two seventy one, eight hundred OPS, yeah. nineteen homers, seventy three RBI. Like that's a guy who is. Uh, a league average, slightly above average hitter, and you're giving him, you know, twenty million dollars a year. So mm-hmm. absolutely, the, the April skews the final numbers, um, and you know, I don't know if teams are going to really recognize that on the open market because, um, you know, they, they're going to might look at it in total and all that type of stuff. But uh, I think that you know, he's a guy that uh, at 34, almost 35. I don't think the Red Sox would be super upset to let him walk, and if he does opt out, I think they do want Kyle Schwarber back just because. Uh, he seemed to be had a great um, season, yeah. Seemed to be a perfect, perfect fit. Um, you know, uh, he, he just seemed to be a guy that fit in the clubhouse well, fit in the city of Boston well. Obviously, positionally, it was a work in progress at first. They had to move him around and stuff. There was one thing mm-hmm. last week about how it doesn't seem like the two of them can coexist on the roster. But can't. Yeah, I'm um, with you. That's why. I, that's why I made it work in the playoffs, at least. So I, I, I guess I'd the race. Martinez and if he opts out, definitely. Yeah, I think it could change for sure. And I know you still have to pay Bogats at some point if 
He only has a year left till he's going to opt out realistically. And then you had Devers too, who's going to need an extension at some point also. So if you were to choose, I mean, between signing Schwarber and JD or just saving that money and going all out on Bogart to Devers for the future, I mean, what would the what do you think the Red Sox are going to do? Because I know at some point you're going to have to pay Devers and Bogart. So it's going yeah, to be a big decision. That's an, an impossible question right now because we don't know how the collective bargaining agreement that expires on yeah. November 1st, what, what that's going to look like moving forward. So if they have a more strict salary cap where you get more punishments for going over, let's say, $175 million or $200 million, yeah. the Red Sox are going to have to make some tough decisions. There's a world in which that new CBA really punishes the big market teams, and now all of a sudden you, you can't have Bogart, Dan Devers, and a Schwarber or Martinez. So um, that'll be fascinating to watch, and, and how that CBA shakes out, the higher that threshold is, the better for the Red Sox and the better for the other big market teams. And those owners are going to obviously push for that, but we'll see what um, you know what, what everybody else, everybody's going to agree on it. So we'll see what, what ends up happening there. So, I mean, Devers needs to be a priority in my mind. Bogart's, uh, you know, face of the franchise and all that, I think, um, you know, he's probably not going to be crazy about wanting to switch positions. They're going to probably want to talk to him about doing that. Um, Absolutely. But. It'll be interesting. I, I definitely think at some point, as you said, you're going to have to pay some of those, you know, bigger guys like Bogots and Devers and more for the future. I know JD's 35 also. I think Schwarber's 28, right? So Schwarber's, right. you know, he's not 35 like JD is. I mean, at some point you have to pay the younger guys like Bogots and Devers. And Bogots is actually not too young anymore. But is he now? Probably around the same age as Schwarber is. But uh, you're going to have to pay those guys at some point. So, yeah, as you were saying, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. And are there any specific free agents or a specific position you, you, you would say the Red Sox should target this offseason? I think they need to figure out second base as mm -hmm. well as um, as well as Christian Royo played. He only played in 57 games. There's a lot yeah. of different things that, um, you know, he's not a guy that you can completely uh, rely on moving forward just because he has an injury history in 2022. We'll see what the COVID protocols are, but there is a, um, as a guy who, um, you know, you're going to need depth at all those positions, obviously. I think they're going to probably try to get some more depth at second base. They're going to try to get, um, you know, shore that position up a little bit. Obviously, a guy like Marcus Semien would be a fit there. How oh, that'd be awesome. Somebody like that. That'd be um, awesome. Either one. I'd love to have him. It depends. Those guys are going to probably get big deals, and it depends Definitely. on how much they feel they can spend. Definitely. Jose Iglesias would be under the radar. I'd like to bring him back. I think he had a great, you know, month. He played solid in absolutely September. Absolutely. Well, he yeah. spark to the, to the team. I'd hope to... Hopefully the Sox give him an offer. We'll see how that goes, obviously. Um, Brought a lot of energy, too. He was always yeah. pushing guys in the cart in the dugout. Absolutely. Awesome yeah. he, he became a big part of the team in only that one month. So hopefully we give him an, a contract. We'll see, though. But depends on – he won't get too much money. I mean, we'll have money to spend there. But if you were going to sign Simeon, like you said, a Javi Baez, obviously Jose Iglesias wouldn't be coming back. So. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe. I mean, you got you got a guy who can play anywhere in the MVP. He can play second and short. Be a good That's true. Alex Cora loves him. He's only going to cost you a million or two, so yeah. it's not that. It's not. It's not like you know, Semyon or one of those guys would would rule him out, though. You know, that might squeeze out a Royal. So you know, there's probably a lot of moving parts there. Definitely, absolutely. So, got all our Red Sox talking. Now we can switch to some UNC. As uh, as I was saying, as Chris was saying, he was a graduate of UNC, uh, so he's a big UNC football and basketball fan. So, figured he'd come on talk a little ACC, UNC basketball, football, and uh, see where absolutely. we start. Absolutely, yeah, he can start with it. Yeah, a lot going on at the ACC football. Uh, so, Chris, have you been paying attention? Um, you know, tough loss to Notre Dame last week. How do you feel about the game coming in uh, against Wake Forest this week? You know, top 10 matchup. Well, you guys will think I never do any work by 
by this answer, but I was at that <laughs> game and I'll be at the weight I'll be at the weight game too. So. Oh, there you oh, go. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Notre Dame was a, a fun trip in terms there of go. everything else except for the actual um, the game. The actual game, yeah, mm-hmm. it was interesting when the Red Sox, I booked that in like June and thinking the Red Sox had no chance of making it or like July when I think I remember you saying that. <laughs> I remember yeah. we talking about that in August. You said you were trying to go to a game and said, hoping the Red Sox don't make it. You were hoping. I mean, right. I, you were hoping you were able to still go and have the Red Sox obviously do well. Um, it ended up working out, though. No, you ended up making no, the I game. Wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, at that point, I, was, I mean, I don't care if the Red Sox win or lose, obviously. Strictly yeah, UNC. Yeah, but, but, yeah, I was, I was, you know, I, I was joking with my friends all week. Jordan Alvarez made, made, allowed me to go on that trip. So you have to thank him. <laughs> if you ever have him in a one-on-one, if you ever, if the Red Sox play in Houston, actually, you have to thank him. Yeah. So, um, but no, it was a fun postseason run. But I'm glad that I got to, you know, I paid for that trip, so I'm glad that I had to, I got to go. Um, <laughs> there you go. You know, other than a loss, and this week they're, you know, somehow favored by two and a half. I don't know why what they've done to deserve. It's awesome. It's a top ten team in week, so they're gonna absolutely. Not cover that and not win the game, but I'll be there uh, to watch oh. what happens again. So, hey, they're the support I mean, though. They got a shot. You guys got some talent. It's at UNC too. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, what I've been saying all year is, you know, at least, you know, they're a top ten team heading into the year. They're ten, and then they realized that they're Carolina football, so they realized they couldn't possibly <laughs> be a top ten team. They lose to Virginia Tech. They lose week one, so it's like. Oh, the polish is already off. Like they lose a, pretty, a winnable game they could have won, even though it was a tough road game. Like they they lose. It's, so now you know. Okay, well the dream is dead. So we're, there's no expectations anymore. And then they mm-hmm. lose to Georgia Tech in a game that's favored by 15. So yeah, that was tough. Like, mm-hmm. So now, yeah, so now it's, you're fighting for a bowl game. But for me, I had expectations that if they the, at the best year they could fight for a playoff spot. And Who now, knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now because because they again are UNC football and they're not capable of that, what I'm hoping is they go like six and six and they make the Fenway Bowl just for convenience sake. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I saw you tweeting about that. I don't even know if we'll be eligible yeah. at this point. Yeah, I saw so you tweet about that. That'd be awesome. I know I, you were saying during the year you had high expectations. Maybe you talking during the summer and you're a big Sam Howell fan if I remember right. Yeah, Sam Howell was like What do you think of him? Second, yeah. Second or third favorite guy to win the Heisman this year and uh, you know it's the, the you could get three four of we could pick four random guys off the street and they'd be about the same as the offensive line is for them so <laughs> uh, that's it and, Night, so, the Giants the too is, yeah the defense is horrendous so um, you know they're that's his part of it but no it's I mean I don't know they're just they just always, always the same thing. Last year they uh, they made the Orange Bowl, which is kind of cool, but they they uh, reverted right back to big expectations. And, but you know what? They actually have a top twenty. Uh, this will matter because they'll find a way to screw it up again. But you know, they actually have a top twenty recruiting class like the next three years. Um, and so, uh, and Drake May, a five star quarterback coming in, who oh, he right. from Bama. Yes. To Definitely. Yeah, I, I think, think you guys. I think Sam how How Sam Howell's having a good year. He has 19 passes, touchdowns, six rushing, or five rushing, so 24, 25 touchdowns in yeah, he's eight games. Well. He's, I think he can still go up high in the NFL draft. That's yeah, really definitely. Good. Yeah, it's not his fault. But mm-hmm. uh, with UNC I mean, basketball. Yeah, you guys are still putting up points. So. I mean, yeah, you guys got good teams at basketball and football. That. Four and four, I mean, obviously having higher expectations, four and four isn't the best. But considering, I mean, in the ACC, you know, everyone's pretty even with Clemson having a tough season. I think everyone's, you know, 
pretty even after that. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, being four and four is not bad. Definitely, yeah. So being four and four, I mean, really you're right in the middle. Big ones yet, so. um, yeah. But with, we'll transition to UNC basketball. So with Hall of Fame coach Roy Williams uh, retiring after three national championships in 18 seasons, uh, how do you think the program will look this season? Will it feel the same? I know you went to so many college basketball games and you were at UNC. I think you even went to a few uh, afterwards also. So how do you think the program will look and will it feel different? I'm, I'm sure it will. in the back of my mind I'll always know but that, that Roy retired and you know I'll see on Instagram like oh you know head coach Hubert Davis meeting with you know students today like what did, what did they just say oh yes right Hubert Davis, Davis yeah yeah so um but you know they're they there's a lot of turnover they uh they have three trans three uh big time transfers uh Dawson Garcia from Marquette I saw that and I, Brady Manick from Oklahoma and Justin McCoy from Virginia. So oh, wow. we know a couple of them. Some returners and um, some big programs. Yeah, you know, they they'll have a veteran team, which is good. So definitely they'll be they'll be you know they're right nineteenth. They usually uh, play poorly in the non-conference and like have a couple inexplicable losses in January and then turn it on in February and make a run in March. So that's it. I don't know if Hubert's going to fall off of that exact same Roy formula or if they're actually be good in non-conference play. I hope they will be because I have tickets to see them too. And definitely. So, Oh, that's they're awesome. Playing at, they're playing at Mohegan Sun and it's a ridiculous tournament against Purdue, Villanova. And wow. Oh, all the wow. top dogs. Yeah, yeah there's some big teams in like there. Three top 20, or four top 20 teams are playing at Mohegan Sun and tickets are $20 for, uh, they're $40 for four games. So that's, wow. that's just, it's not bad yeah, at all. Great, great get. But, uh, Absolutely. You know, they play well there. But uh, yeah, we'll see. It'll, it'll be different for sure. And, um, I'm looking forward to it. I love college hoops, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be at the BC game. They play at BC on January 1st. I'm sure you'll be yeah. there for that game. January I know you. First at no- January 1st at noon is just... That's a tough time for a game, game. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, hey, it's a new game. I was like, I'll be, I'll be over there with you know, four Gatorades ready to go. <laughs> ready <laughs> to go. Media light in the stands. Let's Absolutely. Go. I know you were mad about, you know, the, the COVID season ruining your chances to see Sam Howell last year at BC. So I'm sure you're psyched to at least see you at basketball here. But don't worry. Don't worry, Joey. They'll be back there in 16 years. So I'll, that'll be very... I'm sure you'll be psyched then. You'll be right, counting down the right days. The yeah. Hey, you might be hitting your prime around then. You're not there yet. So you could be hitting your prime then. Who knows? Um, um, 42 at that point. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and they play at oh, UNC man. January 26th. So, hey, maybe you can make that too. I'm sure if, you're, if your schedule's open, I know you'll be there. But I know the Red Sox could have went to meetings or something then, and that yeah. might be tough. But I know you'll be there if you can. Probably won't be a game anyway. Gonna be, yeah, it won't be a game. We know BC Valley. It won't be a game. 40, I, we were talk, me and Chris were talking about this before that, you know, probably won't be a game. But I'm sure he'll be there and he's rooting on UNC. I'll be rooting on BC, but I mean, yeah, it won't be a game, definitely. Definitely, they have too much talent. So, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, at least yeah. you get to see UNC locally, you know, no matter who they're playing. So, uh, that Mohegan Sun one would be pretty cool. Yeah, Purdue and Villanova. Big teams, yeah, we played Villanova in a tournament last year. We actually hung in there and then see them fell apart. Of course, yeah, first day. game. I mean, hey, anything can happen yeah, in the first I game of the year. Ah, uh, it's a tough yeah, game. I know, I oh, man. Yeah, BC only lost by two or three, I think. I think it was closer to five, yeah. maybe. We were good in December for whatever reason last year, and then everything just kind of Yeah, once COVID off. hit the whole team, we all fell off. and I mean, it, it was a tough season for a lot of teams. You know what? That's obviously, you know, if that hurt the team and the players getting sick and all that's most important. But that, uh, I was, there was obviously no fans let in, but I was going to cover as a media member Carolina playing there. 
There you go. Boyd was sitting at 899 wins. They obviously would have, you know, demolished BC. Definitely, yeah. That's the worst. Yeah. That would have been a dream come true. I kept getting screwed out of seeing them last year, so I got a lot of opportunities now, which is good. You got your redemption this year, which is nice, and at least you got to go see that game against Notre Dame, and now you'll see Wake this weekend. So hopefully it's a big win this weekend at Wake. I mean, hey, I'll be headlines. We'd have to have you on next week again to recap the game if they win that. Definitely. But uh, we'll let you go, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Yeah, thank you. It meant a lot having you on for sure, and you brought a ton of insight into the Red Sox and UNC, ACC sports in general. Um, So thank you so much. We'll definitely have you on again. And uh, as I said before, if anyone wants to check out his uh, journalism workshop, sports journalism workshop, check out his Twitter, Chris Chris Cotillo. um, And then also his email is bychriscotillo at gmo.com. It's a great way to break into the industry, as I said. Um, Three classes online, two hours each. um, And you also have a one-on-one with him. And he also gives you a 40-page PDF about the entire sports journalism industry um, that I've actually been using for this podcast, actually, and even for my sports writing class. So if anyone wants to check it out, definitely reach out to him. I'm sure he'll be happy to have you, and he'll definitely Absolutely. welcome you in. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. All right, thank you, thank Chris. You. Have a good one. Take it easy. Thank you, my guy. All righty. That was awesome. Uh, right now we're waiting on one of our another one of our esteemed guests, uh, J.D. John Desuera. Yes, um, John He's coming to yeah. talk BC hockey. He's trying to find the room right now. Uh, yeah, it'd be tough. It's tough, <laughs> so, tough way to maneuver around here. I mean, uh-huh. in order to call in, you actually have to do FaceTime audio because there's no service down there. We, we're we trying to figure phone. out the phone. We do have a phone here that people could call in on. We just don't know really how to use it. So that's why we've been mm-hmm. doing FaceTime it's audio. It's a work in progress. But I know we have less JD, technical difficulties this week than last JD's week, so underground right now trying to find this. So I understand why it's taking uh-huh. a while. But having Chris come on is awesome. Uh, yeah, as I said, I took his workshop um, in July and August. Um, and I learned a ton. And I also have a 40-page PDF from him. As I said, about sports writing, uh, podcasting, beat writing in general. Um, I, even, I even gave him some of the articles that I've written in the past, and he was able to, able to help me with it and edit it. So it's a great way to, to break into the industry, as I said, to learn a lot. Um, you get a lot of experience from him, and he's also there whenever you need it. As you see, he came on tonight, and it was psyched to come on and give us some insight into North Carolina, ACC sports in general, and the Red Sox, and gave us all his background, too. And uh, he's pretty well known in the industry, too, in, in baseball. Uh, all the guys, John Heyman, Ken Rosenthal, um, they all know him pretty well. So Chris Rose also runs a Chris Rose rotation. Um, he's a great podcast. I've listened to a ton. Uh, Chris Cotillo has the best connections. So it's definitely a great way to, to start. And, and you learn a lot, and it's worth it. It's only three classes, too. And I can tell you right now, it's definitely worth it. So mm-hmm. That's awesome, yeah. Hopefully people uh, join. Hopefully JD comes in, too. I hope. Uh, he's here I mean, at some point. You know, while he's trying to find his way around Mac, uh, I just want to bring it up. You know, what is going on with the Celtics? I'm, yeah. I wanted to bring it up at some point tonight. A little frustrated. Uh, tough start to the season. It's like every other game we're losing. I mean, every game at this point we're losing. Uh, blew that game to Chicago Monday night. We were watching that. Um, you know, we were up, what was it, 16 points or something? In the, yeah, it was nuts. At the end of the third and just, you know, everything slipped away. There was no ball movement in the fourth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Marcus Smart's comments after the game saying Brown and Tatum need to learn how to pass. I might kind of agree with him. Oh, I'm with him. Now. I gotta see a few more games. You know, it's only been you know what I'm six or seven him. games this season. Uh, but, I'm know, with him. I love my Celtics, and it's hard to see this. Yeah, start to the I mean, season. we're zero three for the first time at home in the Celtics' seventy-five year history. Think about that. Zero three in their first time. The first time we've ever been zero three at home in seventy-five years of the franchise, and we're zero three. It's just ridiculous. And uh, if you look at it. Jay, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both declined to talk after the game. Uh, 
it was a tough loss, obviously. Losing, you know, in the fourth quarter of the Bulls, and we were up 17, I think, at, at the end of the third, and we ended up blowing it. Uh, you can't let that happen. You can't let a team go on a run like that. And uh, tonight's 11-point fourth quarter, this was a tweet from the other night, tonight's 11-point fourth quarter was the Celtics' lowest scoring quarter since November 10th of 2017. But that's another thing. I mean, you can't, go, you can't score 11 points. I mean, no matter how much you're up in the game, you can't score yeah, 11 no points way. in the quarter. Not it's in ridiculous. the fourth quarter, especially when you got, you know, all the talent that we do. Dude, too. yeah. Jason Tatum. It's nuts. Jalen Brown, I mean, we got Schroeder, Marcus Smart. They're all guys that can play ball. Robert Williams. I mean, we didn't even have a defensive rebound in the fourth quarter of that game. It's just ridiculous. You're mm-hmm. not going to win any game like that. And I was very disappointed in them. And I agree with Marcus Smart. The Celtics have to learn how to pass. Too, I yeah, favor Jalen Brown over Tatum. I actually, I know most people I disagree with we'll Celtics Nation, next week. I would favor Jason Jalen Brown over Jason Tatum. I, I would. I don't you like his step back threes, off balance threes. I don't like any of that. I don't like that either. But Fade away one you can't win a better guy like that. You need a you know an alpha scorer on the squad. So. I mean, yeah, Jalen Brown was shooting with both feet on the ground and wasn't having a good quarter, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really make a difference. Um, and now actually, we just brought in our esteemed guest, John Desuera, uh BC hockey fanatic. Um, we're very excited to have him on. Uh, welcome, JD. How's it going? What's up? How are you guys doing? Glad to be here. Thanks for coming uh, on. So, yeah, yeah thank you for coming on. I know, I um, had to come on. I listened to the, the first podcast. I was blown away. You loved it. Oh, thanks, Yeah, man. with your insight. All right. Oh, thank you. Hey, I, I appreciate it. it. All right, no, yeah, we're happy um, to have you come on. He's a hockey yeah, guru. So, he knows everything. College hockey. Follows NHL everything. Hockey. Yeah, loves the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, big BC Red Wings fan. Too. BC women's and men's hockey. Goes A couple game. of uh, recent big wins for BC hockey, huh? University of Denver. What do you think? I, I, you know, the main person who stuck out to me that game Nikita. Ah. Okay. You know, Dot Dot. He, he was all right. Dot all right game. All right. You know, I expect a lot from Dot, but Nikita, we gotta get the puck to Nikita Nesterenko. The guy's got a magic, magic hand, magic stick. Get the puck to him, we win. All right. Hey, that's the key to the game. I mean, he's been nice, too. He had a couple goals in, what was it, the Colorado College game? I can't remember, but he was kind of going He gets the goal about every game. Yeah. He's nice. Yeah, feeding the puck. I mean, (laughs) he's putting up goals. Yeah. Get him the puck, he'll find him back in the net. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we lost to... Vermont five to four last week, which can't. Yeah, we've, we've had a weird season. So we're winning these big teams like Northeastern and uh, you know, U Denver, and then we're dropping these games Bentley. to U Vermont and Bentley. So. Six two. We didn't play Dom that game. We didn't play Dom. Oh, okay, we did not that play must guy. That's your second favorite player, right? Yeah, Dop? I know. Oh, we gotta geez. stick to Dom. We do. All we right. didn't play Dom last year. You see how that turned out. Mm-hmm. Now we're back to Dom. He was a transfer, wasn't he? Bowling Green. So I mean, he needs to be in there. JD's JD could be in there too. Actually, JD's one of the best players on the scene. Oh, JD could be a net. Jim, he could be anything. Yeah. JD could be a net. The kid's impossible to score mm-hmm. on. He's unreal. Floor hockey. Floor hockey, yeah. Uh, JD was MVP first team of the league. Goalie, yeah. Unreal. So. Probably, if you look at his stats, he probably had like 450 saves and went up six goals. Uh-huh. No, Not even exaggerating. It was probably we, something We had no that. defense, and he was probably putting up 90 saves. and Yeah, yeah. 90 saves a game. <laughs> Can't ask for anything else. So, Dop and then Almost JD. Almost the chip. Dop and John. There you go. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. That's a win. Yeah, Nikita you could run too. back up. It's a win. They need, might need you as an assistant coach, too, under Jerry York. Get, uh you know, get your guys in the game. JD could give some insight to the game that they're not realizing. JD goes every game. I mean, he we're getting some beautiful insight right now. I'm so. the only fan who goes to the women's game. You know, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed to see the lack of BC students at the games. I know. They're working doing? hard, but they don't have the support. At least how, you, they how are they looking yeah. this year? They had a tough game against Northeastern. They were undefeated. Yeah. They lost Northeastern. But, uh, that was a tough game. I read about that. Northeastern. Northeastern is a good team, though. They're always ready pretty you high. You heard about it. You did Yeah. We did not go. Um, we, we have to make it to a game, though, so we can actually analyze it. Yeah, we'll be there. And then, you know, another week we'll have to come back and 
talk about. I should have went to that game. It was Northeastern. Yeah, honestly, probably could have. They were they were a good team. They lost in the national championship last year, the women's team. But mm-hmm. yeah, JD goes to every nation, game. Yeah. Men's and JD's a fanatic. Yeah, he's he's so, at every BC men's and women's hockey game. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he knows it all. So, Dop. All right, who else is a key player? I mean, you you said Dop, Nikita, you say Nikita. Yeah, Nikita, of course. So yeah. who's you know if you had to pick a yeah, big the, three yeah. from the team, big three. So that's you a good got point. Yeah. Nikita, Dop, and who else? I'd say Jerry. Jerry okay, Hall. I kind of like that. It all starts for the man himself. You know, he he knows the program. He's been here longer than we've been alive. Yeah, he's been here for years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's had a lot of Let us a lot of national championships, hockey history. Yeah, definitely, he's had a great history and. That's the thing. Over I mean, a thousand wins in his career, yeah. I mean, not many coaches man, can say that. Legend. We gotta get JD to meet him. Then JD could maybe you know get into yeah, it. Yeah, maybe I'll meet him. Get a picture with him. Yeah. <laughs> he could, I, he might ask you for a picture. Though. You're you're just as much <laughs> of a legend. Yeah, he might sign you to the team actually. He if might you see your four hockey pick. highlights. I no joke. Like literally, JD's unreal at, in in four hockey. You can't score on him. Mm-hmm. I honestly think you could take some of the players in the men's team here and just. Have them try to shoot, and they might not even score. Being serious, so mm-hmm. we gotta yeah, get JD can hang with anyone in that. So if they ever have a tryout, JD's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotta get to the student walk-ons over the summer. JD's there, yeah, definitely. He's been killing mm-hmm. it. He's been killing it mm-hmm. before hockey. Speaking of uh, BC hockey, JD, how you feeling about the upcoming game at Merrimack this weekend? Who? The BC game at Merrimack? Merrimack. Who's what's Merrimack? The college. college. Do you not I've know? Heard right? Of them. All right. I mean, all right. I mean, that's one way to put it. We were talking about this at lunch the other day, but it's all right. Yeah, Merrimack. Uh, it's all it's gonna be a blowout. You think? Let's go. Merrimack's right by me. We play Nikita. We win. Merrimack's three and Keys five, the so they haven't had a great season. They got right. four points in the Hockey East right They're now. They're not East bad. They can. Yeah, I, mean, I feel right. like any team in the Hockey East can still play. I'm with four, three, and one. Yeah, so yeah, we're not I mean, much better than three and five. Tough so. game at UVM last weekend. So can't lose to UVM. UVM's one and five. They got one win in the season against us. So and the other one's overtime. Yeah, that oh yeah, it's tough. You can't lose to them, especially they. I think they had nine goals or eight goals all season. They scored five in that game against BC, the one they beat us. So you can't let that happen. You can't lose to UVM, especially giving up five goals. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that was a third Friday night, and one Saturday uh, night. Third period. What am I saying? Yeah, that that was a uh, tough game. Cause, you know, I checked Twitter. We were up three one or four one or something, and then you know you check it two hours later, and it's BC hockey blows a four one lead. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just what's going on. Can't let that happen. It's a doubleheader versus Maryland. Right after, that was a game after beating. You know. One of the top teams in the country too, University of Denver. They're good, yeah. I mean, you got to you got to double so, against Merrimack. You can straighten things out against them. That'll be mm-hmm. good. So yeah, bring the record um, back. I mean, we're still a good team. We it's not like we've gotten blown out in any of these games, and you know we've had some quality wins so far. So I'm not worried with the season. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, as JD was saying, if Dob has a big game, anything's possible after that. Truly, I mean, if your goalie's you know in sync and he's and he's you know locked in, I don't think you know BC is going to have. Too many bad games. You always got to score, but if you're only giving up one goal a game, two goals a game, you should win for BC, especially with all the playmakers we have and all the guys that want to score. I mean, absolutely, yeah. A lot of guys going to the NHL. Um, Trevor Kuntar, my boy, going to the Bruins. Yep. Um, talked about him last week. Last talked year, about him yeah. last week with Mike Hurley, yeah. Yeah, I think he could be something special. He looks really good this year. Um, you know, excited for the team. Definitely, yeah. So, JD, what are your predictions for the end of the season for BC hockey? Let's say right now you're going to be. Give a, give a prediction what's going to happen by the end of the season. What is it? What's your outlook? What do you think the team's going to be like? Given the, given that Dop stays healthy, okay. I, I think we can contend for a Hockey East tournament. NCAA, I think it's a little out of hand. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I respect that. I mean, we'll see how it goes, obviously. It's a long season. Um, how many more games? Th- I mean, they got this week at we home. probably got 35 games. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of I'm games. Sorry. So as long as he stays healthy and plays 25 games, I mean, hey. 
Should be fine. Um, yeah, should be right 25, there. 30, maybe. Who knows? Probably give him a few games off, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure we can hang with anyone in the Hockey East, too. You know, beating Northeastern 5-3 the other weekend. Um, tough game, yeah. Tough for you, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Roll skis, yeah. That was a tough game. But uh, that's the thing. At the end of the Still, day. I mean, we can play with anyone in the Hockey East, I think. That game yeah, so, so. And it's a long season. And you play in the Hockey East, you're playing against the best teams in the country. You know, a lot of them, at least. Great competition. So stay healthy against them. I mean, JD thinks they could win the Hockey East. So definitely not the beef There you have it. Bean not the bean pot. Oh, man, I got no chance of the bean pot. Yeah, you can check me right now. Northeastern's winning the bean pot. Uh, I'm already giving my predictions. Northeastern's beating the bean. Northeastern's winning the bean pot. Be the fourth in a row. I got Jordan Harris, big redemption game, having a goal for Northeastern. So that's a prediction. We've three. Yeah, BC to Northeastern. Three months out. Three months out. February fourth or fifth, whatever it is. Either way, I think second, something like that. Three months out. I'm giving my prediction right now. Let's cover up your jacket again. You'll be wearing the Northwest, uh, Northeastern sweatshirt. I will be wearing Northeastern. Um, I have my reasons, though. My family and I have been Northeastern fans forever. So uh, I'll be rolling with the skis. Tough, uh, tough ride home that night. Oh, we won, we won three straight years now. Three straight bean pots. There was one last year. It'll be four in a row. We've got five right now. So we'll, we'll be good, though. Three in a row, though, as I said. Um, and so going for the fourth. Quadruple, let's go. But I'm sorry. Should be exciting. Absolutely. I can't sit in the BC Stewart section of that game. Although I'd root for BC Hockey and they're playing any other team. But when they play Northeastern, I'm so watching Northeastern. But you guys are respecting that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very uh, loyal fan. Even though my affiliations are all over the place. Um, uh, I'm very loyal. Well, I knew when you didn't show up to half the BC Hockey games. Hey, no, I go to a oh, lot of the BC Hockey go. games. I go to I a like lot that. of BC <laughs> Hockey games. You don't got to say that, Gene. I go, to, I go to a ton of games. I'm always there with them. So, uh what can you do, though? I mean, if Northeast is playing in BC, I'm going to be rolling with Northeast. But then at the end of the day, I can't That's lose, though, yeah. right? I can't lose either way. So what can you do? Um, yeah, I mean, either way, I think both teams are going to have a great season. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens in the bean pot. Either way, it's going to be close. Hockey East, too, I think. I mean, if I had to give my pick for the Hockey East, I'd go BC over Northeastern, obviously. Oh, you might disagree. Uh, yeah. Jordan Harris and the boys. Looking forward to that season. So should yeah. be good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm psyched. Um, definitely excited to see how it plays with JD. The man himself said he's got BC winning the Hockey East, so can't expect anything less. I mean, JD knows the game better than anyone. We to every go. game, as I said. Um, mm. Women's hockey. Give us a quick Student prediction. The game. We got another minute. Give us a quick prediction. Women's hockey. How they oh, finish the hockey? Women East. here are elite. They're, they're yeah. on a different level. They they're going all the way. You think right. national championship? I think so. They'll they'll lose like maybe two more games this season. They're wow. unstoppable. Okay. You guys right. should check them out. We'll have to start getting into some more of those games. Let's go. Yeah, it should be a good one. I mean, I definitely feel like uh, it's a great way to get more involved with BC Athletics. I mean, JD goes to every game. He's always there. So mm-hmm. anything yeah, we'll be there the Eagles. The Absolutely. I know JD's worth the Eagles every game. The so Eagles. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, yeah, anyway, thank you so much for coming on, JD. It's great to have you and talk BC hockey. Thank yeah, you guys for having me. I'll, th- I'll be here all week. All right, there you go. We'll have you come back <laughs> on for sure. Um, so this is it. About that time now. I just want to thank everyone for listening uh, to The Playbook with Joey and Zach. We'll be back on next week, uh, Wednesday night, November 10th from 7 to 8. Um, as I always say, a um, few quick shout-outs. Uh, shout-out to Daniel P. Daniel P. Okay, well, shout-out Daniel P. Uh, shout-out yeah, to the shout my boy Steven. Um, uh, Jet Boston, uh, thank you guys for everything you guys do. You guys do great things. Shout-out to April also. Uh, my whole family, friends, for everyone listening. Yeah, your family, um, I, I always give my shout-outs. You know that. Um, just want to thank everyone for listening. Um, we invite you guys to listen and join again next week, as I said, November 10th. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you to Chris for also coming on as well. Yeah, big awesome. thanks to Chris. That was great. Definitely thank have him Chris. on again. Definitely have Chris come on again. He was awesome. Chris um, is a beast. We got to have Chris come on and talk about the plays because he knows all the plays better, better than anyone. I mean, he's, he does, he does yeah, that I mean, all the time. So 
He knows all the boys on the on the team. So he knows the whole league really well. So yeah, that was great. He has his connections. So definitely have him come yeah. on and give some more insight. But uh, as I said, thank you, thank you everyone for listening. Um, and uh, we can't close it out. Can't close out the week uh, without congratulating the Braves um, on a oh, big World Series yeah. run. We should have mentioned that more. We can re- recap that next week. And then also, yeah, we still got a lot to talk about. Uh, mentioning Jerry Remy, the passing of Jerry Remy, and how important he was to Red Sox Nation and Boston sports as a whole. I know in you know our whole lifetime, he's everything the Red Sox. You think Jerry Remy? So. Uh, he'll be missed tremendously. Um, Red Sox Nation, Nesson Games, ne- nothing will ever be the same without him. And hopefully they change Jersey Street's name. Sign me up for that petition right now, changing Jersey Street's name to Jerry Remy Way because mm-hmm. no one else deserves like more that. than him. Absolutely. So I, I want to mention that earlier. I'm happy I was able to now. And our thoughts and prayers are with the family and uh, Jerry also. So. For sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for coming out. Um, you know, yeah, it's great to be back. And, um, we're excited for next week, and we hope to see you guys there again. So. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Have a great night. Take it easy. Good night to all, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you again.